Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Matthew, we are um, starting uh, starting to inch into fall a little bit. We I won't say it's cool yet, um, but um, some of the mornings have been in the upper 60s, so it, it's felt uh, cool compared to 105. That's right. I think next week is still supposed to be, I think I saw a day it was 101, yeah. just the temperature. And, yeah. You know, heat index is over that, so it's still... Still warm. Dog, dog days sure. of summer, as they call it, and uh, school started, and we got football season coming. Yeah, it's you know? a fun time of the year. Yeah, some of the uh, football games. You and I are actually going to go see a game um, uh, Friday. Uh, so it's tomorrow. We're recording this on Thursday. I'm mm-hmm. um, going to see South Aiken and Silver Bluff. So yeah. that's uh, kind of a fun tradition you and I have. So looking forward to that. And next week, uh, we were just talking, uh, we have our 500th episode of the podcast wow. next week. So Ryan and I are recording that. We've got to figure out something cool to do. For the 500th. Wow. It's 10 years just on the podcast, right? Yeah. And then there were some years before that on the, the radio show. Yeah, so. we've been doing this since 2011. So wow. um, I, I remember our first session Steve and I did. It's kind of kind of fun. So um, anyway, we have a uh, we have a great show uh, lined up today. We've got a couple of uh, Ramsey uh, topics um, that he's pretty passionate about. And one of them, first one we're going to start off is um, uh, marriage and investments and what you should know and how you should coordinate and things to do and things not to do. So this is for newly married com- couples, or if you've been, you know, married for twenty five years, uh, these uh, six tips can can certainly help you uh, take the next step in your financial uh, situation. Yeah, and the other article that we're going to be looking at um, is about permanent life insurance, um, and it's really looking at uh, what it is and, and how it works. And this is also from the Ramsey Network. Yeah, it's talking about whole life insurance versus term, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we'll get into some of the details. That'll be really good. Um, and I'm uh, uh, John Travis. I have an MBA in finance. I'm also a Dave Ramsey certified coach um, with over 30 years of experience in planning for both corporations and in- individuals. And I'm Matthew Travis. I'm also a financial planner here and have been here about five years. And I'm your son. Yes, that's right. Glad to have you here. <laughs> five years has gone by fast. Yeah, it has. It's amazing. Time flies when you're having fun. So uh, we're certainly excited to have you listening to us today on the weekly show. Uh, we're up every Friday morning. Um, you can go to our website, moneymd.net, uh, to listen to us or iTunes. You can download the uh, episodes and listen to us on your own schedule. Also, go check out our website if you've never been out there. We've got some pretty good tools uh, at moneymd.net. Um, you can also ask us your questions there and, and link to previous shows. A lot of content out there that you can take a look at from budgeting, um, uh, you know, spreadsheets. Do we have a retirement plan out there? Also, some forms for documenting your financial um, situation. So uh, go check that out, moneymd.net. Also on Facebook uh, under MoneyMD. That's where we post the uh, prescription of the week each week. So we're going to start off today with the uh, financial fact of the week. Yeah, and this is looking at inflation. I know we have talked about this much on the podcast, but it's interesting just to look back. And so I, I went on, I think it was a, a CPI website for the government, just looking at, you know, the CPI is what, um, it's a consumer price index that a lot of the normal uh, goods um, that people buy goes into the CPI number and it tracks what the inflation is doing over time. So I just went on a website and looked up what the price of milk was um, 20 years ago, and the average price of a gallon of milk was $2.76 mm. per gallon. Mm-hmm. And as of last year, the average price was $4.09. And 
And so just in 20 years, it's like a 48% increase in the average price of this consumer staple that you know a lot of people purchase. And so it, yep. it just shows the, the value of things are, or the cost of things are rising and things are getting more expensive. And, and this is kind of a small scale of, of what you've seen in grocery prices over yeah. the last couple of years. Gasoline. Seen gasoline. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so it's an interesting, interesting fact. Yeah, you want to make sure uh, when you do your retirement planning that you actually have some inflation built in. I mean, we do see if, if you're out at the site or have retired from the site, your pension does not have cost of um, inflation adjustments, doesn't have cost of living adjustments. And so if you start out, you know, having $35,000, you know, in year one, 20 years later, it's going to be 35000 and most everything has increased significantly. So you got to make sure you've got some some plans to battle inflation. It's really the silent uh, killer from from a wealth standpoint. You've got to make sure you factor that into your retirement planning. So that's a good financial fact of the week. And uh, we're going to switch gears here and talk about marriage and investments and, and what you should know, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. This comes from the Ramsey organization. And, um, you know, Matthew, when you when you work with your, your spouse and you're you're getting married here in a couple of months, um, so I know you're working on this. Some of these already because um, you and I have talked, but you know, there's a lot of things that you can do if you communicate and you can you can have you know f- some financial peace of mind um, for your family if you're if you're talking about it if you have a plan associated with it. So th- we're going to talk about six investing tips for married couples, and you know, it doesn't matter if you're just getting back from your honeymoon or you're about to get married like yourself or you've been married. Uh, my wife and I, Tammy and I, have been married for 32 years now, so uh, we still have these discussions. Some discussions go better than other discussions, so but we do have discussions, and and so I think the 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 first thing that you have to do, and you'll cover in some detail, is just talking about retirement goals and make sure you're on the same page. Yeah. So if if you haven't figured it out by now, uh, you and your spouse, um, you, you don't always see eye to eye. Maybe that's a surprise if you're not in a relationship, but that's very common. You want to pick up pizza for dinner, but she's in the mood for tacos. Uh, you'd like to go to the beach this summer, um, but maybe he'd rather take a trip to the mountains. Money is no different. And messy spending habits and um, even financial infidelity, which could be like lying about money, can strain even the strongest relationships. In fact, money, um, I'm sure you've heard this, is the, is the number one issue married couples fight about. So whether it's figuring out a strategy to get out of debt or saving for retirement, you and your spouse need to get on the same page with your financial goals. And really the key takeaway out of this point is to, is to communicate. It's to have an open line of communication to say, hey, when you do this, I feel this. That's a great line. And I hope more and more people can say that. When you do this, I feel this. And that, that is a great start yep. to this conversation. Yeah. And so the retirement's a piece of it. And then the second um, item, second tip is, was just understanding and have a strategy for for getting to your retirement. That's really important. And um, so we recommend saving 15% of your your income towards that um, once you have your your emergency fund in place. So again, just making sure you have a roadmap um, between the two of you. And then not saving in things like 401ks for matches and Roth IRAs, making sure you have good diversification. But it's really saying, hey, we want to retire at this, this age with this money in order to do that, how do we invest? Um, where do we invest? It's, it's having some a plan associated with the investment options. And then another thing that you, if you have enough free cash flow, is having a, um, a, a joint retirement account. Um, Roth IRAs have to be in your individual um, names. It's, it's, you know, that's why it's called individual, but you can have joint brokerage accounts 
um, that are available that you can use for retirement. Some people use them for college savings. Some people use them for for medium-term goals like cars and, and vacations and weddings and things like that. So it's really just coming up with a plan for the different areas of your life. Yeah, that's right. And so on that topic of retirement, it's, you know, how much should you save? Um, and, a, and a recommendation is 15%. And if you save 15%, typically works out pretty good for retirement. Uh, practically, it looks like 15% of your total household income uh, gross in, in going towards retirement. Whether that's a Roth IRA or a 401k, definitely recommend getting the match first in your 401ks. Um, but yeah, 15% is a good number. Um, and again, you know, you know, if one person stays at home and only one spouse works, again, that's 15% of the total household income. So just that one spouse. So this is something that, you know, Dave's principles, Dave Ramsey's principles, and also just what we believe is sometimes 15% is, is not feasible for where you are. Maybe yep. you need to get out of debt. And if you get out of debt, it's going to free up your cash flow a lot, and then you'll be able to save 15% or more towards retirement. So this is just a general recommendation if you're ready for retirement savings. That 15% is a good number. Yeah, that's right. And then once you kind of have that strategy, it's making sure that your old retirement accounts are, are working properly for you. We see a lot of folks that have old 401ks from previous employers. Um, you know, they have to uh, call these 800 numbers, and sometimes you're on hold for seven minutes. Sometimes you're on hold for, you know, 47 minutes. And, you know, having these just kind of hanging around, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, we recommend consolidating and Dave Ramsey does as well. Uh, you know, you have to do the evaluation to make sure that uh, you may have a plan that has good funds. That's one piece of the equation. Um, but also just being under control um, of those monies. So making sure you have, you know, a retirement goal is number one. Number two is saving 15%. Number three is making sure that you have um, kind of everything consolidated. We see that's a good step. Typically for most people, instead of having four or five 401k statements coming in, they're, they're, they're invested differently. It's hard to get in touch with them, making sure that you have uh, everything um, together in one place. So that's number three. Number four here is um, making sure your beneficiaries are updated. And this is important, particularly when you get, um, when you're newly married or if you're remarried, making sure that's um, addressed. Yeah, so beneficiaries, we spend a lot of time on this with clients. Beneficiaries on retirement accounts and bank accounts, they bypass probate. And so if your will says, hey, you know, I want this one person to get everything, and your beneficiaries state something else, the beneficiaries are distributed first. And so that's really important, especially like you said, when you get married or if you are on a second marriage, it's to understand where your beneficiaries stand. Um, and so, you know, making this a priority is going to serve your spouse well. Typically, the spouse is the primary beneficiary, not always, but, you know, it's going to serve that person well if you understand it. And also, if there is a curveball that, <laughs> you, you know, it's something that maybe you, the spouse would not consider, would not be on the same page with, it's quite frankly having that conversation now so that they aren't surprised if something were to happen to you. That's going to serve your family well. So there's no like, yeah. hey, I didn't know this was going to happen. And so getting on the same page with beneficiaries is the fourth and just a really, it's a fourth step and just a really good yep. step to take. That's right. Number five here is making sure you have the proper life insurance um, for your family. And, um, you know, life insurance really there is to protect against losing your income. So do you have one person that's the 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 main income provider? You got to make sure you protect that. Again, we recommend uh, ten, uh, term insurance, usually fifteen to twenty year, depends on how old you are. 
Um, you know, about 10 times your annual income is a reasonable uh, number. Um, so making sure that, um, you know, you, you, you do this on an annual basis and you, it's a, an expression of love as well as the taking care of your spouse and if you have kids. Um, and at some point, if you save cor- correctly and properly, then you'll be self-insured into the future. So make sure life insurance is in that discussion and the planning associated with it. And number six here is, um, no, Dave put this on here. We didn't put it on it, but he recommends working with an investment professional, um, you know, and making sure that you have someone guiding you. Uh, it's not right for everybody. Some people like doing this. Some people um, study it and they, they have time for it. They have a passion for it. So they do it themselves. Um, but, you know, a lot of folks need help. I mean, they, there's a lot of complexity out there. So having someone guide you through these discussions, that's kind of what we do for our clients as we talk about these items and help them uh, craft a plan and figure out where to save and how much to save and things to do with their family, whether it's uh, beneficiaries or insurance. So um, those are six things, whether you're, you know, newly married and um, Matthew, I know you guys are kind of having some of these discussions as you, uh, as you approach your, uh, your wedding in a couple of months, but good, um, good topics to talk about. Yeah, very good. All righty. So uh, next topic on the list here is, um, well, actually it's a question of the week. And the question we get a lot is, when should I claim for Social Security? And um, that's a great question. There's a lot of factors that play into it. Most of the time, the analysis says to maximize Social Security, uh, you wait um, until at least full retirement age, if not the age of 70. Now, it depends on each person's situation. There's other factors that come into play, like health. Um, Also, just some personal preferences of, hey, I've been paying into this for a long time. I need the money sooner than later. Um, sometimes that makes sense, but each couple, each person is different. Um, you know, if we knew exactly when someone was going to pass away, we could tell you exactly how to maximize yeah. the value of it, but we don't know that. Uh, no one knows that. So the claiming is, it's, it's very individual um, to an individual or, or couple um, we do have some analysis software. We can certainly help you with that conversation and figure out what the best solution is for you. Yeah, that's right. And I would say just to add, you know, this is a very common question, you know, as well with, is it going to be here? Um, so just to address that very briefly, I mean, that, that, you know, will social security be here when I claim it or should I claim it earlier to make sure I get something? The answer is long story short, yes, it will be here. They're going to change and modify maybe when, you know, if you're, 30, maybe the first age to claim is 63 or, you know, for retirement age gets moved back or some some modified adjusted schedule for people who are younger who are paying into it, i.e. me. Yeah. Um, but the, the long story short is, yes, you are paying into it and yes, you will get your benefit in some regard. So can yeah. we plan for it? Yes. Can we exactly say what it's going to be? No. But uh, there's still wisdom to... To, yeah. to win to win to claim it if you're at that age. Yeah, they definitely will will be modifying it. And I do think, I mean, I've, I strongly believe that if you're within 10 years, there'll be no no um, adjustments associated with it. There there may be some tweaks on inflation adjustments, but generally people that are, are taking Social Security or close to it, they probably will not have any major changes associated with those folks. Um, you're just not going to do that. You're not going to be able to, um, and you shouldn't do it because so many people count on Social Security. Sure. So. All right, so we're going to talk um, a little bit more about life insurance. Matthew, this is um, from the Ramsey um, Solutions Group about permanent life insurance. Really talking about whole life here, um, and we're going to kind of do a deep dive into it. Yeah, and so when you're just starting to build wealth, buying life insurance, it, it quite honestly does make sense, um, especially if you have people 
uh, who are dependent on your income. But what, what you need to know, um, what you really need to know is that your family will have a stable income no matter what. And so that's what life insurance tries to help. Uh, it tries to replace that income. It, it keeps you steady as you're taking off, uh, kind of like training wheels. Um, but training wheels should not be permanent and neither should your life insurance. And we'll talk more about what, what we mean when we say that. But um, you know, if you're like most people, you probably do need to consider life insurance. But over time, um, especially as you hopefully are becoming more financially independent and you're reducing debt and you're building savings and um, you know some of the things that we talk through with clients, you're becoming financially independent. The need of life insurance decreases over time. And at some point, like you mentioned, um, hopefully you're self-insured. And so that's, yeah. that's really what this article is going to be examining is permanent life insurance, <clears throat> excuse me, versus term life insurance. Yeah. And so, um, you know, full disclosure, uh, the Ramsey organization does not like permanent life insurance. Um, we, we agree with them on most cases. Sometimes it may be appropriate, um, but our belief um, most of the time is term insurance serves folks well. Um, so we're just going to kind of dive into the, the, the differences. And, and so the first just conversation is, is what is permanent life insurance? And it, um, it's uh, like a whole life policy, common names, whole life or cash value life insurance. And the company sells a permanent life insurance and they will use your premiums to cover two things. One of them is um, the death benefit or the payout that goes to the beneficiary. And the other one is a cash value account that's supposed to grow over time. Uh, as an investment. And in general, permanent life plans uh, are much more expensive than term life. And we'll go through some numbers here in a minute. And there's a couple of reasons for that, but uh, mostly because you're paying, um, it seems to be that you're paying more for the insurance policy um, and uh, some of the costs associated with permanent life insurance. Yeah. So what what is this policy exactly? It's a policy that combines a life insurance benefit and a cash value account, like you just mentioned. It's marketed uh, typically as a way to achieve two important things at once, which is investing and insurance in one, in one product. Uh, always um, pricier per dollar than term life insurance because it adds that investing component in there as well. Um, it, it, it can be difficult to justify because it has higher premiums and typically the returns on the investments are, are not great. Um, to push life insurance policies, some of these companies can hype up the savings account um, and, and they say that it's going to build cash value. Um, sometimes there's even a guaranteed return on your cash value. So why would you not want to have one payment, get a guaranteed death benefit, and build your savings? A big problem is a lot of times these guaranteed returns can be fairly low, <clears throat> and you know which is why they can guarantee it because if they guarantee 2%, on cash, then, you know, they're going out investing that money in the stock market, making more, and they're able to guarantee that if they have enough people, you know, using these products. Yeah. Um, yeah, just in general. Yeah. So how does, how does permanent life insurance work? So these, they're typically sold knowing that you want to protect your loved ones and it's an emotional product, life insurance in general. Um, cause you know, so they, it's, it's sold on an emotional purchase and, um, you know, there's legit feelings of, um, you know, loyalty towards your, your family and you want to make sure you you set them up correctly. So here here's how the details work. You pay your premium every month. The insurance company uses part of that premium to basically pay for the insurance cost associated with it and puts the rest of it in a cash value account. And the mix of how much your premium they invest versus how much goes to your policy changes over time mm -hmm. as you get older. So earlier on in the life of the policy, a larger percentage 
uh, that premium goes towards the cash value. And in later, later years, your life insurance coverage takes up more of that premium um, and and it, you know the life insurance piece becomes more expensive and sometimes some so expensive that it starts eating into the cash value. Right. So your cash value as you're younger it tends to inch up over time, right? Because the insurance is not taking up all that that value. Um, and you know the other thought is, and this is where the term, and we'll talk about this in a minute. But if you can if you can keep your savings outside of these accounts and say like let's just pay for the insurance, which is the term insurance. Uh, and save in a tax advantaged account like a Roth IRA, uh, it it can it can work well. Um, it, it's just yeah, it's something something to consider. Um, next, either you get to your maturity your maturity age, um, and so your maturity age means it's it's the day that you can finally withdraw all the money you've saved in your in your cash value account. Insur- insurance companies can define this age differently, but typically it's a it's 120 years. <sighs> Well, old is when it endows. So okay. that's when these policies tend to endow, unless it's younger than that. Um, or you die before turning 120, right? And your cash value disappears. And so, you know, most policies, if you have a $100,000 whole life policy and you have 50000 of cash value built up in there and you were to die, you get the $100,000 policy because that's your insurance policy and the company keeps a $50,000 cash value. So, you know, that is something to consider that if you're building up this cash value and you're viewing it as a savings and you were to pass away and not use that money, it's really, you're losing the cash value in there. So that's definitely something to consider, you know, using, if you do have a policy using that yeah. or, you know, some some way utilizing that money before it disappears. Yeah. Sometimes we see policies that have like a death benefit of, of 50000 and the cash value is like 40000 Right. Which, which means the true insurance that you're paying for is that difference. The 10. Yeah, right. And so, you know, maybe, you know, cashing, and it, it depends on the policy and the individual and the taxes and so forth. But sometimes cleaning up these old policies is a good step as well. We see people with five, six, seven policies. And, you know, if, if, if it makes financial sense, um, you have to evaluate it. But, you know, sometimes yeah. cleaning that up makes sense. So, um, so anyway, that's how the premiums and the cash value works. And then there's also uh, different kinds of permanent life insurance. And we'll cover these very briefly. One of them is called a whole life insurance policy. And once you choose a plan, the premium gets permanently locked in for the life of the policy. And so you're paying that every single month for your entire life. I mean, for a very long time. And so a slice of that premium, as we said, goes towards the cash value um, sometimes the rate of return is around 2%. It depends on the policy. Um, and then the rest of it goes towards um, the cost of the insurance. So uh, typically what we see, it's it's better off getting a term policy that's for you know 20 years and you save a whole bunch of money and you can use that for your investments and try to make more than you know the, the low rate of return that some of these policies uh, pay out. Yeah. And the other one, the other main one is a universal life policy. This is more complicated than whole life, but you do have more control over how you pay the premiums. For example, you're allowed to pay above your monthly premium and send the difference to your cash value. Over time, if your cash value grows enough, you can use it to lower your premiums. Um, What kind of growth can you expect in in these types of accounts, universal life? Uh, It does depend on what type of uh, universal life you buy. It, there can be a lot of different, they're called sub-accounts um, that you can have inside. So just know, um, typically, you know, these, these they are products, right? And that's something else to know is they are products that combine life insurance and savings. 
Um, just even just a disclaimer to understand mm-hmm. them before you get into them would just be an encouragement for you because they can be complicated. Yes, it is typically complicated. So let's look at costs. This is um, one reason why Dave is, is against permanent life insurance. I'm just going to throw some numbers out. This is for a $250,000 uh, policy for a non-smoker in the preferred plus health classification uh, for a male. And um, the term policy for a 30-year-old um, from Legal and General, it's an uh, insurance company name, term policy 20 years in length is about 12 bucks a month. Um, if you go to Transamerica and you get the same um, uh, level, $250,000 policy, it's about 176 a month. And that's for the permanent. That's the permanent, yes, that's right. So, you know, it's uh, and we see similar numbers for different age groups. So you can... It saves a couple hundred dollars potentially a month. That then you have to be disciplined. Here's the, the catch: right. you have to be disciplined. You have to take those savings and you have to go invest them in a Roth IRA or put them towards debt or emergency fund. Wherever you are in the steps, term term is significantly cheaper. It does end, and it goes away. But if you do these steps correctly, then you'll be self insured. Yeah, and so again, the main difference between these two types of life insurance, permanent and term, is that term has a set premium that remains the same throughout the life of the policy. Um, and it only lasts for a defined number of years, whereas permanent, um, the premiums, can, they can vary a lot. And even if you pay the same premium, it, it uh, can either add more to your cash value or uh, decrease that depending on where you are on the schedule. So there's just a lot of differences between these two. And typically, like you said, we recommend... Um, you know, having the term life insurance policy and, and saving on the outside. But you're right, you do have to be disciplined with this because it is cheaper, which means you have increased cash flow, which just means you have to be disciplined with, with mm-hmm. what you do with that. Yeah, so the, the bottom line is um, the Ramsey organization is definitely against permanent life insurance. We, we prefer term. Um, we, we typically see uh, the whole life policies that we look at to be very expensive, Um the cash value does grow in there, but not, maybe not as fast as uh, some other options out there. And and the reality is, is if you follow the steps that, that Dave and his organization uh, preach about getting out of debt, about having an emergency fund, saving 15% in retirement, you do become self-insured, and we see that. So that's why we're, we are proponents of term insurance. There may be some specialized cases for permanent life insurance. You certainly have to evaluate that, and if you ever want to come in and discuss your situation, we can certainly uh, certainly sit down with you and do that. So good discussion on life insurance. Yeah, um, very good. Yeah, and so now we're going to switch gears here and close out the show with the uh, prescription of the week. Yeah, and this is um, this is near and dear to my heart, but um, the, the the prescription is it's maybe formed as a question of how do you how do you plan for a wedding and what are some key items to note. Uh, we are in the thick of wedding planning. If you've ever planned a wedding, I'm a financial planner. I love details. This is what I do for a profession is to plan. But oh my gracious, <laughs> wedding planning, <laughs> it's a different level. I'm telling you. Um, and so some things to know that, you know, just as a person that's been in it for two months and has two more months to go, um, communication obviously is is very important. Having a budget that, um, I'm going to say this loosely, and this you may get you may disagree with me on this, but to have a budget that's flexible mm-hmm. and learning is wise for my my future spouse who is not budget, um, who does not get excited about budgets, having a budget that has some wiggle room that says, hey, generally this is what we want to spend on these categories, but if we reduce this category so that we can spend more here, that is okay. And so having some flexibility in a budget 
is good and also casts vision for what the wedding will be like. Having patience is also important. And then lastly, having excitement. I know that might be like a duh, you should you should have excitement, but I'm telling you in the weeds, it can be difficult to to see the end goal of ultimately of marriage, that we are excited about marriage. We're excited about the blessings that it has and um, the the wedding day is simply the beginning of that celebration. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's celebrating with people of the great journey that we'll be on hopefully for the rest of our lives. So yeah, just something to encourage you if you are about to plan a wedding or know someone who is, encourage them that it is it can be stressful, but the end goal is very good. Yeah, no, I agree with you on the budget. I do think it's important to have kind of some general numbers that you're targeting. I know when when Danielle got married, we we set some some numbers out there and then let, let Danielle and Justin um, manage those like like you and Haley are doing as well. So um, I, I think one of the hard things about wedding planning is is not it's not just about you two it is about you two but you have so many other people that you're trying to include that you don't want to hurt their feelings traditions you know expectations yeah that's right yeah and you don't want to you know let anybody down but uh, that's i think that causes the stress associated with good point the weddings and i think y'all have done a a great job y'all have talked a lot about it um you've 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 changed some things and and added and subtracted some stuff so it's a great prescription of the week I, i would say for for folks that are going through that, communication is super important. And, um, you know, sometimes not getting caught up in, uh, there's a lot of new trends and fads and so forth, and that that's cool and everything. But um, at the end of the day, it's about two people joining their lives together under one. That's right. Yep. So um, very good. Nice prescription of the week. And Matthew, you're doing that. Um, that'll be on the Facebook page. So go right. check that out as well, uh, MoneyMD. So uh, this has been this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune in next week on moneymd.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. And check out our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. Give us a call here at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great weekend. Broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. About a certain sound.